Turn with me in your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We've spent some time at the beginning of this year going over foundational things in our life. Remember, we've been doing a series on the book of Luke. We've put a pause on that until February 7. I want to focus on some of the things that are going to be critical in our life this year as Christians, as believers. We finished the year asking God, teach us to number our days because that will develop in me wisdom to change the way that I walk. And we talked about what Paul said in Corinthians when he said, the grace of God towards me is not going to be in vain because I'm going to work hard. By God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace has given me the ability to continue on on the path that he has placed me on. And we talked last week about prayer. We're going to be talking today about the Holy Scripture. So let's pray over uh, uh, this morning as we get ready to receive. I, I believe God's going to bless you. Father, as we come into your presence and open your word, I thank you that you prepare our hearts to receive. God, that you take the poverty of my remarks and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you illuminate to each heart what they have need of today. Lord, we need to be able to persevere. We need to be able to be steadfast. We need to be able to stand and having done all to stand to stand. And I thank you that we can receive that from you. And I, I thank you for your grace upon me and upon the hearers this morning in Jesus name. So I've seen a lot and I hadn't forgot. I'm going to read our scriptures in a second. I've seen a lot of posts lately on social media, people looking for alternatives. You know, hey, I don't like Facebook anymore. I don't like Twitter anymore. They've upset me and that's fine. Is there anything else? Can I go to something else that's going to be like it, but better? Right. You see it with people with TV providers. I'm tired of Dish Network taking away Fox every time the playoffs are on. I'm tired of CBS not showing me the basketball games or not being able to watch my show and just getting a message that it doesn't belong there. Is there any other options? Is there anything else that I can use that's going to be like this, but not this? Right. And, and those are fun. You know, we, we post all the. Hey, is there a, is there a better way to do this? Is there an alternative to this? And sometimes there are for a lot of things. There's alternatives. But for certain things. There is no alternative and there is no substitute And what you hold in your hands. When you open the scripture, there is no substitute for that. There is no alternative for that. There's nothing that's going to be able to do for you what it can do in your life. Prayer, what we talked about last week, there's no substitute for that. There's no alternative for the foundation and for the daily grace that you find in these gifts from God. What they bring into your life, there's no substitute for that. And I want to show you what that looks like today. Second Timothy chapter three, starting in verse one, Paul, the apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, who was a pastor of a church. So he's dealing with the stuff like that. And he was pastoring a Christian church in an area that wasn't predominantly Christian. Right. That would have been predominantly pagan. And so he's trying to encourage him from a distance. And he says, but know this hard times will come in the last days for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving. 
irreconcilable, slanderers without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to the form of godliness, but denying its power, avoid these people. Man, that sounds bad. He's like, listen, there's going to be a lot of people around you. Bad intentions, doing bad things with bad attitudes. And we see it then. We can be like, well, that doesn't sound like he's writing about 2,000 years ago. It sounds like he's writing about right now, doesn't it? Because the, the problems of the heart have existed from the beginning. It's nothing new. It's not something that's swept in. But, but he talks about how people, and I won't read all the verses because I don't want to misuse our time this morning, but he talks about people getting swept up in nothing. Just getting swept up into nothing and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. He talks about men who are corrupt in their mind, who are trying to make progress and can't. He said they will make no further progress for their foolishness will be clear to everyone. But then look at verse 10, because he, he's given us this bad news. But then he tells us what we should do, what Timothy should do, and we can line ourselves right in there with him. With it being this bad, what should we do? And he says, but you, Timothy, have followed my teaching, conduct, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me at Antioch. Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord has rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So he said, there's going to be a lot of bad going on, Timothy. This is a train you don't want to get on. But listen, it can be different with you. It can be different with you. It's going to get real tough, Timothy, but it can be different with you. You can be prepared. You can be ready. You've been following my teaching. You've followed my life. You've seen what I've been doing. You've seen God work in my life. And he talks about even in persecution. And then verse 12 that you don't ever hear people preach on. But it says, in fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Nobody putting that on the church sign, are they? It's like, yes! Woohoo! You know, we want to hear about the overcoming part. Well, you got to have something to overcome. We want to hear about being victorious. Well, victorious means you're fighting something. And he says, in fact, all who want to live a godly life won't ask you to raise your hands, but we all want to live a godly life. What does that mean? We're going to face persecution, difficulty, pressure. It's like, I thought the good news was coming. It is coming. All those who want to live a godly life will face persecution. There's no exemptions. He's like, there's going to be hard times. There's going to be hard people. There's even going to be persecution against the body of Christ. Those who want to follow Christ and see good things from his kingdom here on earth, there's going to be persecution. And man, that's a lot. But then look what he recommends for standing against all of this, because that's a bunch. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and believed, firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom 
for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture, in fact, is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You know, we hear a lot. What's this world coming to? I just I, what is this world coming to? Well, it's been coming to this for 2000 years. We've been dealing with this for 2000 years. There's nothing new under the sun. Evil isn't new. Depravity isn't new. What's coming? What's this world coming to? People have always been acting this way for thousands of years. It's always been like this. Hard times, awful people and persecution. Well, what's the answer? Paul's prescription then, since the problem is the same, the answer is the same then as today. Is that we continue on the avenue that we've been put on. We've been given the scripture. We've been given the relationship. He's like, you're going to have to press into this. You're going to have to lean into this. Don't stop pursuing God. Lord, don't stop now because it's not going to get better out there. This is what gets it better in here. Continue in what you've learned and what you've believed. And what is that? He says, you've been taught the scripture since you were young. You've got a foundation in your heart and in your life from when you were young don't neglect it. Hold to it. Even grab on to it tighter. Continue in what you've believed. And what have you believed? The Holy Scriptures. Why? Because in the Scripture, you find the ability. It has in itself the ability to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He said, continue in what you've learned. Don't start stumbling around looking for alternatives. Don't go, well, I, I, I like it, but I don't really like the way that it wants to tell me how to do everything. Is there something else I can use? Is there something else that would give me the way to life and godliness, but that I could be in a little bit more control of? There's not an alternative and there's not a substitute to the scripture in your life. He says, continue in what you've Learned. And then he then he gives us verse 16 and 17, which displays to us the power and the beauty of Scripture. He says it's all inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. And we've heard that verse a lot. All Scripture inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it's good for these things. We hear that, but sometimes we read it outside of the context that he put it in. It is all those things. And this is the purpose for which it is in your life. There's darkness out there in the hearts and the minds of people that has to be illuminated, that has to be broken. There's things that we struggle with still in our lives that we need wisdom on, that we need direction, that we need the power of God to save us from what we're dealing with. And scripture will anchor us in the truth and in wisdom. And then through that, it works salvation, saving us through faith. And, and, and <laughs> I love how he just rips the lid off and shows us all the good that comes from scripture for our life. He said, this is inspired by God. He said, this isn't from it. And interestingly enough, he didn't realize he was writing what would become scripture at that moment. He says, it's inspired by God. It's God breathed and it's useful. It's profitable. What does it mean when something's profitable? It means you're going to get more out than what you put in. That's a profit. 
If it cost me $10 to get it done and I made 20, guess what? I got 20 out, I only put 10 in. I was profitable. I'm getting more out of this than what I'm putting into it. He said it's profitable for teaching. We know what teaching means. But he said also for rebuking, for testing, to seeing if something is the way that it should be or not. Is this right or not? Is this good or not? It's able to rebuke. It's able to correct. And that sounds kind of bad. Sounds kind of uncomfortable, right? But what is correction other than going, this isn't right, this is right. You're, you're, no, no, not, not that way. You're going to hurt yourself if you do it that way. Do it this way. You're not going to be successful if you do it that way. The shot's not going to go in if you do it that way. Let me correct it and put you back in the right posture, put you back in the right frame, put you back the way that you're supposed to be. It will correct us and it will train us in righteousness. This idea of a schooling towards maturity and to cultivate in our life what we need. Man, that's what we have. That's what he's given us. That's what we hold. It's not just an old book. It's alive and it's active and it's working and it's for us today to propel us into what God has for us. Amen. Amen. He says, so that. So that. Why, why is he giving us all this so we can be complete? And so we can be equipped for every good work. Complete, meaning that we have a special aptitude, special ability for what he's called us to do, that we're fitted for a purpose. It completes us and it equips us that we're furnished perfectly, that we have everything that we need to accomplish what we're going to need to accomplish. Goodness gracious. That's a lot of power in this. Again, it's not an old, but it's, just, it's, it's an old, dusty book. It's just old stories. It's old letters. No, 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 no. This can transform a nation. This can topple a kingdom and a dynasty. You've seen it happen. People have come at it trying to destroy it, and they haven't been able to. For thousands of years, it stood while they fell. Entire empires tried to take it out. And couldn't, couldn't stop the word from going forth. Why? Because it's alive. It's from him. It's for us. There's nothing like it. There's no substitute. There's no alternative. And yet, all that power, all that ability, all that it's able to accomplish, and there's one issue. There's one issue. And when I was thinking about this issue, it reminded me of an episode of Seinfeld. And if you've seen Seinfeld, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it at this point, you probably wouldn't like it. But in this little scene of Seinfeld, it's about this guy who lives in an apartment in New York City and he's a comedian and he's been on the road doing shows as a comedian. And he comes home and he's tired and he, he, he walks in the door and he sets down his suitcase and he sits down on his couch and he's going to turn on the TV and the TV is gone. It's not there. It's not there where he left it. And this lady's there cleaning his house. And he's like, where's the TV? And she said, oh, the TV was stolen. He said, stolen? How was it stolen? Did somebody break in? And she said, well, somebody left the door open. And then in pops his neighbor, Kramer. 
Now, if you know Kramer, you know Kramer. If you don't know him, he's a loon. He's a nut. He's a crazy neighbor. He's there for a lot of comic relief. And he comes in, he's like, Jerry, I'm sorry. I came in to borrow the spatula and I left the door open because I was going to bring it right back. And Jerry said, and? He said, and I got distracted. I was watching a soap opera and I didn't come back. He, he said, did you leave it unlocked or did you leave it open? He said, I left it open. He said, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but hey, it's okay. The neighbor said, it's okay because you have insurance, right? You have insurance. He said, no, I don't have insurance. He said, how do you not have insurance? And he said, I didn't have the money for insurance. I spent my money on this lock. The Clapco D29 lock, the most impenetrable lock on the market, the best that there is. He said, but there's one design flaw. The door must be closed. <laughs> the door must be closed. That's the only way that it will work. And I thought about that when I was thinking about this. Because as powerful as this is, again, can overturn nations and empires can transform hearts and lives. There is one issue. You have to pursue it. You have to put yourself in a position where you hear it like we're doing today, where you read it and where you study it. See, it's not a talisman. It's not a good luck charm. It's not just like I can take it with me wherever I go and then it'll put around me this veil of safety and wisdom and I'll have everything I need if I just have it with me. That's not how it works. If you set it on the shelf, it's just going to sit on the shelf, just like that lock can be great. and You can spend, have spent a lot of money on it, but for it to work, the door must be closed. If we don't pursue it, it will not benefit us at all. What a beautiful gift we've been given in the scripture. What a powerful weapon, an agent of transformation. But we have the ability to just ignore it. We have the option and the ability to simply ignore it at our great peril if we neglect it. Again, we need to hear it. We need to read it. We need to study it. We need to hear it. Faith comes by hearing. He said, how can they know unless they hear? How can we know unless we hear and we can read it? But then we also should study it. What's the difference between reading and studying? Reading's a little bit more leisurely. Re reading's just looking for information. Re reading's just like looking through the newspaper. But studying is, what? okay. What does this mean? How does this fit? Oh my gosh, does this mean me or does this mean something else? There's, a, there's an effort and a work that's going into study. That's the one issue. It can do all of these things in your life, but you got to hear it, you got to read it, and you got to study it. How often? How often should we hear the word? How often should we read the word? How often should we study the word? Well, how often do we face problems? How often do we face trials and temptations? How often do we need strength and peace? How often do we need to hear from God? How often do we need to feel His presence? How often do we need His direction? Every day. 
right? Every day. Dwight Moody said, you can no more take in grace today for the future. They say, I'm going to read this today because I'm really going to need it next Tuesday. Any more than you can eat six meals at a time. Now, you can eat six meals in one sitting, but it's not going to do for you what a meal a day over six days would do. You can't take in enough breath sitting right here to last you the rest of the day, can you? No. So why would this function any differently? How often should we hear it? Should we read it? Should we study it? How often do we need it? Every day. Every day. The issue for us, the question is not, does Scripture have the ability to do all the things that it's promised to do? The question is, do we believe it enough to find the time and energy to pursue it? Do we believe it enough to find the time and the energy to pursue it? Again, this year, what is this world coming to? It's just, going, it's just getting crazier and crazier out there. Yeah, it is. It's always been crazy. People have always been crazy. We can act like that's not the case, but it is. It's just showing up in different ways, in different forms. But it's the same, it's the same evil manifestation in life. What's this world coming to? It's the same problem we've always had. So what's the answer? It's the same the answer has always been. The question is, what are we going to do about it? What is our plan based on knowing, hey, it's bad. And I've told you, it's going to get worse. Your understanding of how bad it is, is going to get worse. This year, yeah, it's going to get worse. So what are we going to do? We need the answer. We need the answer. So you have to ask yourself, we have to ask ourselves, and I've said this before, at the first of this year, we ask ourselves all during the year, but this, we have a special time of focus on it at the beginning of the year. What's my plan this year? What's my plan to experience God in the scripture this year? What's my plan to hear it? Well, I'll go to church. That's a great start. What's my plan to read it? What's my plan to study it? What is my plan? We find the time. We make the time. Well, I don't like to read. You read things that interest you. We all read things that interest us. We all listen to things that interest us. We can read. Well, I don't, I don't read really good. Like it takes me a while. It's not a race. It's not like somebody's going to be able to spoil the ending for you. He rose. He won. That's it. <laughs> oh, I hadn't read it yet. <laughs> it's not a race. Well, I don't, you know, I don't really, under, when I read it, I don't understand it. Like, I don't know how to understand it. Like, you, when, when you get up, you, you talk about things, I'm like, I didn't even see that in there. I don't know how to understand it. Well, you pray about it, and then you keep coming to church. And we learn about it together. We learn about it together. That's what we do in here. That's what we do on Wednesday nights. Because there's plenty of times we're going to hit things where, I'm, where, where you're going to ask me, Stephen, what does that mean? I'm going, I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue. Y'all want to pray about it? We, we can try to get to the bottom of it. We may or may not be able to. Because there's always some tension there in the world. But I, I don't understand. These are all excuses that we can make that don't hold water. Because again, if there's something else that's important to us in life that we see as critical, we're going to by golly figure it out. Even if we don't think we read well, even if we don't think we read fast. I don't understand it. Let's get in here. Let's understand it together. But he's given us the Holy Spirit that leads us into all truth 
So you have the spirit on the inside of you. You got the scripture in your lap and you got the body of Christ walking along with you. I think we can get it done. We can get it done. And I don't want to go into too deep about, well, hey, you could try this. You could do this because we're going to land in different places. We're going to we're going to land in different places this year and in, in how we're going to interact with the scripture. Because some of y'all, if you shared with people what you were doing in the scripture, it would overwhelm them. They go, I, I could never do that. Just like if you talk to somebody who's running marathons, oh, I could never do that. Well, they didn't start out doing that. They started out running this much and then it grew. So we're going to land in different places there. And Kelly and I have run into that. When I started doing annual reading plans of the scripture, I, started, I did one that was chronological and I found one. You might like it. I don't know. It's the Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan. You can Google it. You can find it. It's out there. You just print it off. I'm pretty sure it's, it's free. They just give it to you. And it has for each day four readings, four sections of Scripture, two from the Old Testament. Like one would start in Genesis and then the second one would start in Psalms and then the next one would be in the New Testament in the Gospels. And then the next one would be like Acts going through the other rest of the New Testament. So you're reading a piece of all of these. You say how much it would vary, but not not a whole lot. And it would give you break days each week. I'm like, OK, I can, you know, it's like five days a week. And it's like on, on the sixth day you you study what you already learned on the seventh day. You go to worship with God's people and you, you know, you focus on that. And I loved it. Because it gave me boxes to check. I'm a box checker. It gave me a very precise plan. Kelly hated it. It put so much pressure on her mentally. She was like, I can't do this. Because she, she feels like she's going to mess it up. I'm going to mess this up. And then somehow I'm not going to love God anymore. Because I couldn't check the box. It was just pressure on her. She said, you're going to have to find me something else. I said, okay. So I just, I just sat down and I Googled how many chapters are in the Bible. Okay, what if, I said, how many would you feel like you could read a day? She's like, I don't know, three or four. I was like, okay, if you do that, you're going to read through the Bible in 298 days. That's way less than a year. And that gives you time where you're like, I was really busy today. I had a lot going on today. I can't read four chapters today. Maybe I just read a little bit or maybe I focus on something I read yesterday. And she loved it. She just, she, she cruised through it from there. So we're going to be different. Some of it's just based on our personalities and what works for us. But the fact remains, we got to be in this. We got to be in this, this year. The key is we access the power of it when we interact with it, but we're devoid of that power when we don't. That's right. You tell them. We're devoid of that power when we don't. So what, what is the plan? If we, have no, if we don't have a plan, we don't have a chance. And it's not a burden. There's a benefit in this. Anybody in here want to sin less this year than you did last year? Yeah? Would that be good if we sinned less? It says in here in Psalm 119, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The more you get in this, the less you're going to sin. Why? Because you're going to see what the end of it is. You're going to see, oh my gosh, this is going to kill me. Or make me wish I was dead. Because it gives you the knowledge that you need for life. Understanding comes first. We got we the light has to come on first, but understanding comes, and then we develop an affection for the one that helped us understand. Wait a second, I love this. David said, "I love I, I love reading your laws and your statutes." 
He wasn't reading Psalms. He was the one writing it. What he was reading was like Leviticus. And he was like, I love it. Why? Because he saw it. You've given me the way to life. So understanding grows into affection and then you develop conviction. You're like, this is right. This is good. This is what right is. This is what good is. And then it don't matter what the lumps are for, for, for believing that way. You're going you're gonna to be convicted. It's going to be grounded in affection and understanding, and you're going to hold on to it. Because we don't mind taking our lumps for something that we know is true. We don't mind being persecuted for something we know is right, but we better know it. Or else we'll real quick go, maybe that's not right. Maybe I, I, I don't like taking heat for this. I'm going to set this down. We need to be complete and we need to be equipped, which is what it says in verse 17 that the scripture will do for us. Why do we need that? Because of verses 1 through 11 or whatever. How bad it is. How bad it is out there. How bad it's going to be. That's why we need it. That is why we need it. We need the whole armor of God and not just the helmet of salvation. Right? Somebody said that this week. They said, we got a lot of Christians walking around with their helmet of salvation on, but just naked from the neck down. He said, but I'm, I got my salvation. Here I go. Right? How's that going to work? How's that going to work for you? You may, you may still have your helmet on at the end of it, but man, you're going to take some licks. And unnecessarily, we, we need everything that Ephesians 6 talks about. We need the belt of truth. Where are we going to get truth from? We need the breastplate of righteousness. And what I just read in Timothy said that it's going to give me training in righteousness. Right? We need the shield of faith with which we quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I need my feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the good news of peace. Where am I getting that from? And then, because we're in a fight, right? We got to have a weapon. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The Word of God. We need it all. You're going to need it this year. You are going to need it this year. You needed it last year. You're going to need it the year after that. Why? Because it's always been this way. It's going to be this way until the whole show's done. And the only thing that's going to be different is your experience in the middle of it. We need it. We need it. It's not just reading something so we can check it off. It's not, well, I read that, so I'm good. That goes back to that talisman idea. But look, it's alive. It's transforming. There's power in it. There's power for you in it. And we access it. I'm almost done. What's this world coming to? Same thing it's always been coming to. A need for Christ. What's the answer? It starts right here. He will tell you the true story of your life in the world right here. So what's the plan? And that's the part that's up to us. I want to close with a reading from, uh, we're going to read all this. So I hope you, no, this in the front. Um, this also popped up in my heart where I was like, I read something really good. 
God, remind me where that is. And then he, he did. And this is uh, from Finus Dake. He was born in 1902. And he wrote about the scripture. And I want to read this to you. And it's a little bit, so hang in there. But after I read it, I think you'll be like, you probably should have just read that. I think you could have read that and we could have left. Um, but he says, the Bible is God's inspired revelation of the origin and the destiny of all things. It is the power of God unto eternal salvation and the source of present help for the body, the soul, and the spirit. It is God's will and testament to men in all ages, revealing the plan of God for man here and now and in the next life. It is the record of God's dealings with man, past, present, and future. It contains God's message of eternal salvation to all who believe in Christ and of eternal damnation to those who rebel against the gospel. As a literary composition, the Bible is the most remarkable book ever made. It is, a, it is a divine library of 66 books, some of considerable size and others no larger than a tract. These books include various forms of literature, history, biography, poetry, proverbial sayings, hymns, letters, directions for elaborate worship, laws, parables, riddles, allegories, prophecy, drama, and all other forms of human expression. They embrace all manner of literary styles. It cannot be excelled from any standpoint. It is the book that contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts binding, its histories true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is a traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here heaven is open and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. Our good is its design and the glory of God its end. It should fill your memory, rule your heart, and guide your feet in righteousness and true holiness. Read it slowly, frequently, prayerfully, meditatively, searchingly, and devotionally. Study it constantly, perseveringly, and industriously. Read it through and through until it becomes part of your being and generates faith that will move mountains. It is a mine of wealth, the source of a health and a world of pleasure. It is given to you in this life, will be opened at the judgment and will last forever. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the least to the greatest labor and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. It is a mirror to reflect, a hammer to convict, a fire to refine, a seed to multiply, water to cleanse, a lamp to guide, and food to nourish, including milk for babes, bread for the hungry, meat for men, and honey for dessert. It is rain and snow to refresh, a sword to cut, a bow to revenge, gold to enrich, and power to create life. In faith. Amen. Amen. But there's only one issue. You got to get in it. For it to get in you, 
You got to get into it. Go ahead and stand up with me. I tell you, it's intimidating to say I'm going to preach one sermon on the whole of Scripture. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You knew the type of world we'd be living in. You knew the sin that would still try to be at work in our hearts and our minds, even as we're being sanctified in your body. And you gave us your holy scripture to anchor us, to hold us, to give us the truth that we need, truth that will last, truth that will remain so that we can know, that we can have understanding. And Lord, we, we see that and love for you begins to grow in our heart. Reading your scripture stirs our heart for you. God, it, it, it lights a fire under our prayer life and God, it brings conviction. And I thank you that you know what your people need and you've given us that in abundance, Lord, that we wouldn't neglect it, that we wouldn't overlook it, that we wouldn't take it for granted, but that we will come to you and ask you, God, what is my plan need to be this year? Father, lead me into scripture this year. I want to engage you on this avenue of grace this year. And I thank you that you're faithful to show it to us. Each one in the measure that's going to be beneficial to them. God, you're calling some in there for the first time. You're calling some to take a deep dive this year into this holy word. And I thank you that you'll meet us exactly where you said that you would. That it's alive and it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will split us right down the middle. Soul and spirit, bone and marrow. It can get down surgically and affect us positively in the name of Jesus. I thank you that it will never fail. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not your word. Heaven and earth will pass away, but not the eye on not, not the dot on top of an eye or the cross of a T. Your word will not pass away until it is accomplished. All that you have sent it to do. I thank you for that in Jesus name, that it doesn't return unto you void, but it accomplishes what you sent it to do. You are watching over your word to perform it. Lord, help us get in it. Help us be steadfast. Help us be studious and help us persevere. As we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity together with each other. God, protect us and keep us safe. Be with those that are out from among us today. I thank you that you comfort them right where they are. God, if any are weak in their body, that you strengthen them. If any are confused in their mind, you, you clear it up in Jesus' name. That you bring, you bring peace to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I thank you that you give us our daily bread, the things that we need today. Because you love us so much, you provided for them in Christ Jesus. I thank you that we have that. And I thank you that as we enter into this week, that you go before us, you shield our way, and that you order our steps. You put us in the right place at the right time with the right people so that we receive what we need, but we're able to deliver to others what you've given to us that only we can put in there. I thank you that we won't miss out on it this week. And God, bring us safely back together. Deliver us from this virus, from the threat of it. I thank you that you keep your people preserve us in Jesus name in Jesus name amen